is a short psalm of, of David. As we see in the superscription for the choir director, a Davidic psalm, a song. Let's pray, and then we will jump in. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these words. And God, I pray that you just hide me behind the cross as I preach tonight. Just let your Holy Spirit speak to us through these words. Let there be something we see in your word tonight, God, that's what we need to hear. You know what we all got going on in our life and what we, what we, what we troubles we have or fears we have or whatever it may be, sin we're struggling with or discouragement, whatever it is, God, you know what we need. So I pray that in something we see in your word tonight, your Holy Spirit would apply to our life as we need it. And I just pray that everything will be for your glory. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 65, verse 1. It says, Praise is rightfully yours, God, in Zion. Vows to you will be fulfilled. All humanity will come to you, the one who hears prayers. Now, when we see David begin here, he tells us something that hopefully we realize, that praise is rightfully the Lord's. It is the Lord who is worthy of our praise, and we need to praise the Lord. Now, he says here, in Zion, we, we see Zion mentioned in Scripture, sometimes in reference to, to Jerusalem, and sometimes uh, as, a, as, a, as a heavenly term, as a future Jerusalem term, but it seems as though in this context, he's probably speaking of the of the literal Zion, of the literal Jerusalem of David's day, that David's saying, look, we praise you, God, uh, in Jerusalem. You are the God of Jerusalem. We are in Jerusalem. We are praising you. Uh, vows will be fulfilled to you. Uh, whatever vows there may be, perhaps we make vows to the Lord sometimes. God, I'm going to serve you in this way. God, I'm going to go into the ministry. Perhaps that's a vow when you hear someone say they have surrendered to the ministry or God, if you help me get through this, I'll do that. And uh, maybe we need to be careful with those things. Maybe that's what David means by vows here. I'm not really sure exactly the vows he's talking about. But whatever the vows are, David says we are going to fulfill for you or I'm going to fulfill, your, fulfill, fulfill for you whatever these vows are. And I'm going to live for you, Lord. And that needs to be our attitude too, Lord, I will live for you. And he says in verse 2, all humanity will come to you, the one who hears prayers. Now that's a good verse for us to remember because maybe there have been times in your life or maybe there will be times in your life where you, you wonder, is God hearing my prayers? Does God hear these things that I'm asking? I'm asking these things and they don't seem to be getting better. My, my request is not heard. My situation's not getting better. I still feel the same. My problem is not solved. God, are you hearing my prayers? Maybe you ask God that very question. Maybe you've thought it in your mind, but we must remember that God does hear our prayers. Even if our prayers are not answered in the way that we ask, we, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that when we come to God with a sincere and humble heart, that he does hear our prayers. In verse 3, he says, iniquities overwhelm me. Only you can atone for our rebellions. Now, iniquities is a fancy word for saying sins. David says, 
My sins overwhelm me. Can you relate to that? Has there ever been a time in your life that your sin has overwhelmed you? Maybe you're in that time right now. Maybe you remember a time in the past or will be at a time in the future where some sin in your life gets the best of you. And sin will get the best of us. If we give in to sin and we continue to sin and live in sin, then sin will overwhelm us. And David recognizes that. He says, look, my sin has overwhelmed me and only you can atone for our rebellions. Now, we may not like to think about our sins in that way. We may not think of ourselves as being rebellious toward God, especially if we are a Christian. But when we sin, that's, that's what we are doing. We are rebelling against God. We are turning from God and we are choosing the sin. We are entering into a rebellion. And David says, my sin has overcome me, has overwhelmed me, but God, you can atone for my sin. You can atone for my rebellion. And so he calls out to the Lord for that reason. And then in verse 4, How happy is the one you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. You answer us in righteousness with all inspiring works. God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the distant seas. And so he prays in verse 3, all right, God, my, my, my iniquities overwhelm me. My sin is too much for me, but God, you can atone for my rebellion. And then we see these words of praise. How happy is the one that the Lord chooses and brings into his courts. There is really no better feeling than, than walking with the Lord, than walking in obedience to the Lord, than trusting the Lord. Than, than, than doing what God's word says. Now, of course, we're not perfect, but when we are striving to live for the Lord and we are doing that as good as we can, there's a certain joy, a certain happiness. And David says, man, apart from you, I'm overwhelmed. In my sins, I'm overwhelmed. But, but in you, God, in your courts, I find happiness. And then he says, we will be satisfied with the goodness of your house. God is satisfying to us. And he says, you answer us in righteousness. And so not only does God hear, but God does answer us. Not in our time, not necessarily always what we ask, but God answers us in his time. He answers us with his will. And that's what David recognizes. You answer us in righteousness with all inspiring works. Some of your translations may say something like with terrible works. And 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 that word may be a little confusing to us because when we think of terrible, we think of something bad. But in this case, uh, terrible is a word that just simply means awe-inspiring or amazing, grand, wonderful, magnificent, powerful works. And that's what he says, you answer us in righteousness with awe-inspiring works. And God is the God of David's salvation and the God of our salvation should we trust in Jesus Christ and the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the distant seas. And so where does the earth find hope? It, it finds it in Jesus. Oddly enough, I realized when I was just reading that, that that that's what my shirt says, to the ends of the earth. That was the, that was the slogan for the shoeboxes last year. That's where I got this shirt from was at the shoebox uh, uh, processing center. And, and what David is saying here is, look, God, you are salvation. This is the message that needs to go to the ends of the earth because who else can save folks but you? And so, David, this message that he brings is the same message that we are sending out when we send out all those shoeboxes each year. We want people to know who Jesus is, that he loves them, that he is a God who can forgive them of their sin and rebellion, 
just as he has forgiven us. And then he continues on in verse 6. You established the mountains by your power, robed with strength. You silenced the roar of the seas, the roar of their ways, and the tumult of the nations. Those who live far away are awed by your signs. You make east and west shout for joy. Now here in verse 6, we see the strength of the Lord. That God established the mountains by his power and robed the mountains with strength. I think that's probably symbolic language to show, hey, God is powerful. Now, when you, when you look around, maybe you've been to some big mountains or maybe you've seen pictures or shows about them. There are some big mountains in this world. Think about mountains like Mount Everest. Think about how much that mountain must weigh. That mountain will not be moved. Why? Because it cannot be moved. It's too big. But a mountain that cannot be moved by anyone else was placed there by God. The power of God has made mountains and robed them in strength. They are strong, powerful mountains. And that's the power of God. When we look at these huge, majestic mountains and things that we see that are awe-inspiring to us, we remember God made those things. God put those things there. Things that would take, we could, we could blow that thing up with dynamite for a thousand years and we wouldn't, be able to, we wouldn't be able to move mountains like Mount Everest. And David says here, God, you established the mountains by your strength. He's telling us God is powerful. And what does he do in his power? Well, it says he silences the roar of the seas and of their waves and the tumult of the nations. Now, he could be speaking quite literally here. Perhaps he's saying, look, when the seas are rough, God calms the seas. We actually see that with Jesus in his own ministry, that he literally, physically calmed the seas. And perhaps that's what David is speaking of here. Perhaps David is using it as symbolic language, uh, as, as, as we may often uh, use that language in our life, that we feel like we are being tossed and turned, or we feel like uh, we, are being, we are being thrown about, or we're being hit by a wave. Perhaps we, we feel that way sometimes because... In the sea of life, things can get rough. Things can get difficult. But we serve a God who is all-powerful, who established the mountains, and in his power can also control the seas, both physically and spiritually. The seas that we go through, the difficult times, the hard days, God is in control of those things, and he can calm those seas in our life and also uh, uh, keep us safe against the tumult of the nations, the hard times, the difficulties of the nations. Now, in David's day, of course, you had enemy nations that were coming against you, and even in our world today, nations fight against each other. But, but on a more personal level, whatever our enemies may be, we, we may know what it means to feel that tumult, that difficulty, that, that hard time, that enemy, that difficult situation, that sin that's coming against us. And David says, look, you can... You can deliver us from those things. You can calm our seas. God, you are a powerful God. And then in verse 9, it says, or excuse me, in verse 8, those who live far away are awed by your signs. You make east and west shout for joy. Now, David recognizes the greatness of God, but he also says, look, everybody else is going to recognize your greatness too, God. When you work, when you perform, when you show up on the scene, God, everybody notices. Those who live far away will, will notice your power. They will see your, your awesome power, God, and everybody from east to west will shout for joy. 
And when God acts, that is the response. And one day that will be the response of all people. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. They will recognize God. And that's what David says, God, when you act, when you show up onto the scene, when your power is revealed, then God, everybody will notice. Even people far away will notice your power and shout for joy. In verse 9, you visit the earth and water it abundantly, enriching it greatly. God's stream is filled with water. For you prepare the earth in this way, providing people with grain. You soften it with showers and bless it with growth, soaking its furrows and leveling its ridges. You crown the earth with your goodness. Your ways overflow with plenty. The wilderness pastures overflow and the hills are robed with joy. The pastures are clothed with flocks and the valleys covered with grain. They shout in triumph, indeed they sing. Now we kind of shift gears a little bit here. And I believe probably what, what David is saying is, is not symbolic here, but, but rather literal language. Now, back in Psalm 63, if you remembered, uh, when he started that psalm, he said at the beginning of it, uh, God, you are my God, I eagerly seek you, I thirst for you, my body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Now, if Psalm 65 was written in that same time period and he was speaking in a literal sense in Psalm 63, and he may or may not have been, but if he was speaking of a land that was dry and desolate, well, here we would see uh, the, the solution to that problem. What is the solution? Well, it's God, God providing abundantly. And we see the earth kind of being cared for here. We see, we see the rains coming and we see everything being blessed in the earth. And that's what we see here at the end of the psalm, that you visit the earth and water it abundantly, enriching it greatly. And we see that the grain grows and, and uh, uh, there is, there's, there's plenty of water. There's even the wilderness pastures overflow uh, they're clothed with flocks. And so everything seems to be doing good. God is blessing this land. And I think that probably this last part here might have been David speaking just physically of how God blesses the land. And we, we could probably all think of a time when, when we have experienced a dry season and didn't have much rain and your garden didn't come up and things weren't blooming and it was difficult. It was a drought. There are droughts around the world today, even in this country even been droughts in this part of the country. But, but what happens when, when we finally get rain? Things begin to grow. Man, the water supply, the lakes begin to rise, and the rivers begin to rise, and the crops begin to grow, and the flowers begin to bloom, and the trees are healthier, and everything is better, right? When the rains come and we see all of God's creation, and David is, is saying, God, you have showed up, you have blessed, and everything is growing, and it is abundant, and it is fruitful, and it is great. The, the, the water's good, the, the grass is good, the flocks are good because of you, God. And David recognizes the greatness and the power of God, and he recognizes that God has heard his prayers and continues to hear his prayers. And you and I need to also recognize the power of God and that he hears our prayers. And in the midst of our, of our wild oceans where we are being pounded by waves, we must remember that the power of God will deliver us and we will experience the blessings of God just as David did in this psalm. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for these good words. And I pray that we just would tuck them away, that we would remember them. I pray that there was something that we saw, one of these verses, or, or maybe even a word or two that we all saw in, in this passage tonight that, 
that'll stick with us, something that we needed to hear that'll help us. I pray that you just bless the reading of your word. I just thank you that we can come here and read it. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.